If you can find a way to generate revenue, do it, absolutely. But if you can't and you feel stuck, well, I'm sure there's people that are helping other people get better that you're going to be able to help. If you're a passive investor wanting to learn more about questions to ask sponsors in order to qualify the opportunities, in order to qualify the sponsor, in order to qualify the market that the property is in, then go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. My team and I created this site just for you so that there is a free resource available to you to learn about the questions to ask, the things to think through prior to investing in deals. So go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. It's a free resource for you that was made just for you. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Theo Hicks, today's host. And today we'll be speaking with two guests. We have Dan Purcell and Jesse Campura. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing great as well. Thanks for asking. Thanks for joining us. And well, today we are going to be talking about the coronavirus and how it is impacting different investors' business. And so Dan and Jesse were grateful enough to talk about what they're going through some of the change that they are making to, to get through this. But before we get into that, their background, they're the owners of OACP Property Management with a total of three years of real estate investing experience. Currently, they own seven units themselves and manage five others through their property management company, OACP. They are both based in New Orleans, Louisiana, and you can say hi to them at OACP Prop Management, so P-R-O-P management.com. So before we get into the coronavirus, can you tell us a little bit more about your background? And we can start with Dan. Hey, Theo. Sure. So I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio. I moved to New Orleans about 10 years ago now. My past work, I actually worked in the front office of the NBA team here in New Orleans. Did that for <laughs> nine years. And after Jess and I met, we kind of had the same goals when it came to how we wanted to keep pursuing wealth from a passive income standpoint and just a, a future standpoint. And we kind of took off from there. And then Jesse, what about you? My background is in hospitality management. I actually got my degree in hotel restaurant tourism from UNO and I'm kind of a serial entrepreneur. For many years, I did a mobile personal training business and I got my first house when I was in my early 20s. So when I met Dan, we kind of decided to pursue real estate. We both agree that it's the best way to long-term wealth. So we kind of leveraged my first house that I'd had for a while to multiply it into what we have now. Okay, and then we said that you've got seven units and then you manage five others. What is a breakdown of the units? Are they all single family, multifamily, short-term, long-term rentals? It's a combination of all of it. We try to diversify our real estate portfolio. Of course, you know, as you get into the short-term rentals, there's a lot more risk as the coronavirus pandemic has showed us. So we've tried to hedge our risk with diversifying. So we have a couple units that are full-term rentals, and then we have the other ones that are short-term and it was just a smart idea at the time we felt to 
just mitigate risk. I like guess not minimize it, but mitigate it as best mm-hmm. possible, just in case something like this would happen. So we have our first house that we bought together. It was a triplex when we bought it. And then we converted some utility space into a fourth unit. And my original property is a single family. And then we have another double that we just acquired. And the other units that we manage are also double. So mostly multifamily units is what we have. So let's talk about the full-term rentals yet. It might be too early to tell, but is the coronavirus impacting those at all? Do you know if the tenants are going to be able to pay rent this month? Things like that. Yeah, so far so good on that front. We actually have one great tenant who pays us ahead of time. (laughs) So we've actually already recovered that from them. But otherwise, I think all of our long-term are in a position where they're going to be okay. Yeah, I think our long-term tenants are pretty secure in their jobs. Right now we have two of those, so everybody should be okay in that scenario. Is it something that you kind of know based off of your history with them that they have their jobs or did you actually contact them and ask them, hey, is everything okay? Are you going to be able to pay rent on time? Was there any communication with them or is just, you know, based off of the background that they're going to be okay? So it's an interesting situation because our second long-term tenant, we just inherited with the property last week. So Dan's been in communication with her and his initial interactions with her were also sort of in dealing with this yeah. strange situation that we're all in right now. So yeah. And they were positive. She was very positive. They didn't give us any hint that it was going to go wrong or they're in trouble at all. We were also lucky in our other full time was because our other tenant, she's pretty secure in what she does as well. She does a lot of remote business as is, so her workflow hasn't been compromised at all. So you we know, haven't spoken to her specifically since this happened, but we have a really great relationship with her open line of communication. So of course, if there comes a time where she's also affected, we want to do whatever we can. We're all in this together right now. Yeah. I thought of something. So you guys self-manage basically. Yes. And then on the other end of the spectrum, there's people who are the owners, but they have a third party management company managing all their properties. You guys also manage other properties as well. So I was just wondering, do you think in a situation like this, it's better to self-manage than to not self-manage? And the reason why I ask that is because it sounds like you guys have some level of relationship with your tenants. You understand what they do for a living, which is pretty helpful in a situation like this. Whereas if you have not been in constant communication with your tenants and you don't really know much about them because it's all going through a third party, I feel like this situation would be a little bit more stressful. So I wanted to get your opinion since you guys obviously do both. I totally agree with that. Really more from a short-term perspective, and I'm probably kind of shifting here, but our latest property management client that we acquired has some other units and she's been with a larger property management company and is under contract with them. And we have a couple of her other units that she just recently acquired. And I was talking to her and just giving her some ideas on how we've been able to pivot and some other sources of income while Airbnb is pretty dead right now. And she's in a strange position because she doesn't really have access to her own listings. It's all through the property management company. So from that perspective, she's really kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place right now as far as what she's able to do with her properties. So circle back, it definitely makes a tremendous difference to be hands-on and have 
the ultimate control over your own properties and have these relationships with your tenants and be able to handle directly all these cancellations that are happening on Airbnb right now. There's a lot to be said for that. Yeah. And to piggyback on that, I guess we're small in terms of property number compared to a lot of people. I know people that own 150 units, 200 units. They own apartment buildings and complexes. And it's hard to be personable when you have that many units. And that next step for anyone, I think, is when you choose a property management company, what is their level of access for you? If you want to be hands-off, fine. That's great. You can probably find somebody that doesn't. But the part that you're risking is not only the lack of control that you have over your own properties, but you're risking your own capital at the same time. And it's hard, especially when these black swan events happen, like Corona and whatnot, to kind of recover from that. You're just kind of sitting there on your hands. So I think the more you can self-manage, the better off you are. I agree with Jess on that 100%. I know it's not feasible for everybody. So if you're listening to this and you're saying, okay, well, I have 50 units. I can't go door to door. It's going to take all my time up. I get that. It's just having a good relationship with the property management company and setting terms. Because although a lot of property management companies have these steadfast rules and whatnot, they're still working for you. And I think that where you have to do your upfront work. So when these events do happen, you're already covering yourself, if that makes any sense. Oh yeah, 100%. I think that, again, that's obviously something that you can't necessarily do right now. It's going to be hard to change big companies right now, but starting from today is something to start thinking about for your business you know, moving forward. So I think this is timeless advice that we're providing. Okay, yeah. let's transition to the short-term rental. So you mentioned Airbnb business is basically gone. You said you've got people canceling and we talked a little bit beforehand about what you're doing to generate income with those properties. So again, maybe just kind of walk us through what's going on with the Airbnbs at the moment and then what you guys are doing to pivot away from Airbnb and transitioning into something that will allow you to continue to make money while that business is drying up. Yeah. Just to give a little background for those that aren't familiar with New Orleans, of course, everybody knows it's a big tourist town, right? It's also a huge short-term rental town. And these months are probably the most crucial for any short-term rental owner because this is peak season season in New Orleans. The Mardi Gras through July 4th Essence Fest time, that's where you make the majority of your money. You're sold out 25 days out of the month, up to 30. It's increased rates. So this really hurts the whole short-term rental market in New Orleans. I'm sure it does all around the country as well, but this is just a big time in New Orleans. So how many days and nights were we trying to think of things that saying, okay, and reading articles and seeing what other people are doing and kind of what we did after these mess of cancellations. And of course, with countries getting locked down for 21 days, three weeks, months, we had to do something. You just can't let them sit there because at the end of the day, there has to be a way for this to work. And something that we came up with was traveling nurses. And I'm sure it's not a new idea that we just thought of out of what we were doing, but for us, it's been working and it's a good transition because it's short term in the sense of you're not having to sign a year contract with most nurses are between 30 and 60 days. And that's a really good timeline for where the experts are saying this virus and this pandemic is going to end or at least be under control to where the travel industry starts to come back and the tourism industry starts coming back. Yeah, we just tried to pivot and think of some creative solutions to this big problem that we have right now. And 
there were some various things that popped up. A lot of the universities here were telling their students that were in on-campus housing to go. Just, you're evicted, leave. So that was one avenue we kind of explored if there were students left here that needed a place to stay. And then we also got onto a website that's specifically for travel nurses and other travelers who are looking for furnished housing. So that's kind of the angle we're pursuing and we're not averse to even potentially long-term running some of our units. However, we can ride out the storm and just tackle our overhead is what we're trying to do at this point. So for the traveling nurses, there's just websites that are like the Airbnb for traveling nurses? Yeah, so there's one that was recommended to us. And then I think I'll probably also list our properties just on a site like Zillow, just for anybody that might be looking for a shorter term rental. And like Dan said, they're here for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. So it's a great way to get some income flowing, but not be committed for a super long period of time. Right. And also just to finish that thought, we're lucky that all of our properties that we manage and that we own are near major hospitals. So one of our units on the double we just acquired, it's literally one block from a major hospital that these nurses are staying at. So kind of got lucky, but at the same time understood where we were, what we were doing and how it kind of worked. So we're just trying to add it all up. I think just like anybody who owns houses that are vacant right now, just units in general, you know, trying to just be flexible and try to find different ways. And hopefully we help somebody out there that that is struggling to find ideas. Maybe that's hopefully we did here. Yeah, I think the traveling nursing idea is something that someone could implement immediately. Like right after hearing this, I think they can go find the websites and post it on Zillow and Craigslist, assuming they're near a hospital. But depending on what state you're in, just figuring out what are the essential business people who are still allowed to travel and then target them <laughs> would be I your mean, best bet. The nurses that are going to be fighting this chronic pandemic and also people from the Red Cross and nonprofit organizations are going to be looking for housing for their people because the World Health Organization is setting up things. I'm not saying in New Orleans, I'm just saying around the United States, around Canada, whoever is out there listening to this, but there's options for you. Hopefully this can kind of give you a little head start into just opening another world if you haven't already. What about from a reserves perspective? So do you guys underwrite in reserves when you're buying these short-term rentals? Because again, some of your long-term rentals are fine, but what about for the short-term rentals? Do you have, to have a reserve saved up or is it just continuing to lease these out to travel nurses to cover your expenses? It's kind of like feast and famine. And that's what's really interesting about this whole thing is we made a lot of house musical chairs. We were living in our quadruplex and we made the decision to move into my single family house that's in an area where Airbnb is not allowed in an effort to generate some income in the quote busy season. So if you save up in the busy season to be able to weather the slow season and we kind of had the rug pulled from under us. We furnished a unit, we did a renovation, we moved out, banking on the busy season being so great and then it kind of crashed and burned. So to answer your question, we definitely have reserves. We're prepared to ride this out for a little bit, but I think like a lot of people, especially here in this city, this is what people were counting on to build up their reserves, this four to six month period of time where we have festivals and Mardi Gras and all these great things that bring people to the city. 
Okay, so is there anything else that we haven't talked about as it relates to preparing for crisis, things you guys are doing right now to combat the coronavirus, or just you know, general advice that you have for other real estate investors out there that we haven't talked about already? Yes, stay flexible. This is the only way I can weather this storm. This is the only way I can help people. You know what I mean? There is something out there that you're able to do to help either your situation or someone else's situation. At least something that Jess and I have talked about is, well, heck, if no one's renting it, and this was a week or two, if nobody's renting it, why don't we volunteer one of our units up for, if that is the Red Cross or whoever that is, do they need help? If there's something to do, the worst that happens here is that you help someone else. If you're going to lose money, you might as well not be vacant. You can do something. It always doesn't have to revolve around money in, in these cases. So if you can find a way to generate revenue, do it. Absolutely. But if you can't and you feel stuck, well, I'm sure there's people that are helping other people get better that you're going to be able to help. I really like that advice. That's definitely the best ever advice that someone could follow right now. So Dan and Jesse, thanks for joining us today and being willing to talk about things you guys are doing on the fly to combat the coronavirus and how it's impacting your portfolio. So we talked about that you have a couple of longer term rentals and then you've got the rest of your portfolio as short term rentals. You said about for the long term rentals, because you guys are self managing, you guys have more control. This is really for both. You have more control over the leases. You have a better understanding of the people who are currently living in your long term rentals. So you know if they are able to pay rent or not. And it sounds like for your long term rentals, everyone is going to be able to pay their rent on time. We have people who pay ahead of time as someone who works remotely and has remote business anyways. The new person or the property you just bought as you've been in communication with and they're also able to pay their rent. So we kind of overall talked about some advantages of self-management during times of crisis like this. And you kind of gave an example of someone you know who is working with a large property management company and they really are kind of sitting on their hands because they don't have access to their own listings. And then we went into the short-term rentals and talked about the fact that Short-term rentals is very, very popular in New Orleans, and we are just entering into the peak season of short-term rentals. And you guys received a lot of cancellations, and you had to pivot, and you guys spent some nights brainstorming, thinking of ideas, and the one that you landed on is the traveling nurses. So 30 to 60-day leases. You guys also had the idea of renting out your units to university students who were asked to leave campus. But for traveling nurses, you said that, you want to post your, your short-term rentals to nursing websites, places like Zillow and, and Craigslist. Potentially think about signing long-term leases on your short-term rentals. And then really your best ever advice was if you can't figure out a way to, to make money, generate income, use it to help out other people. Volunteer it up to someone at the Red Cross or someone to live in. And I like the way you said it. The worst that happens to you is that you're helping someone else in that case as opposed to sit vacant. So again, thanks for coming out and sharing what you guys are doing. I think this is going to be a very powerful episode for now, but even long-term advice and things that people should think about when they are buying real estate for these Black Swan type events. So thanks for joining us, Dan and Jesse. Stay safe out there. Best of our listeners, thanks for tuning in. Stay safe as well. Have a best ever day and we will talk to you tomorrow. If you're a passive investor and want to learn more about Ashcroft Capital, the company I co-founded with my business partner, Frank, and in particular, want to learn more about our strategy and how we think about the opportunities that we purchase, go to ashcroftcapital.com and click the strategy 
button above, and you'll be able to read through our thought process we use when we're purchasing multifamily properties. Ever wonder how the top in real estate got there? The Invest This podcast hosted by real estate investor Scott Bauer interviews the top names in the industry, giving you the tips and tricks that help you catapult your real estate business to success. Find them at investthispodcast.com.